Hi, and welcome back to Peaceful Home Birth. Today, I have a birth story for you, and I know you're going to love it. Kinsley is a wife, stay-at-home mom to two, and one on the way. She is a self-proclaimed crunchy mom and Christian childbirth educator with a bachelor's in nutrition. After her first positive pregnancy test and a visit to a hospital OB, she realized just how impersonal and detached the medical standard of care was. So she ended up switching to a home birth midwife, and she never looked back. So she is currently coming up on her third home birth in February, and Kinsley knows that God gave the bold responsibility of carrying and birthing a child on a woman for a reason. She wants to educate and empower each mom to be for a fruitful and to be free of fear, and this story shows just that. So I'm so excited to share that with you today. But before we tune into her story, I do want to remind you that the Peaceful Home Birth Retreat is open for registration. Right now, you can get $129 off of a registration, but it is extremely limited. So this retreat will be a time to find your village, rest, heal, prepare for a peaceful home birth. And it's for all women of childbearing age who are wanting to home birth or have home birth and is postpartum up to a year. You do not have to be currently pregnant to come. So just come and experience the power of woman to woman sharing information and being connected. It is going to be absolutely magical, fantastic. I'm so excited. It's going to be July 19th through the 21st. For my PHP students, you get this for free plus accommodation. So if you're interested in that, uh, you can check out first off the information page for the retreat, birthblissbeyond.com slash retreat. And if you're wanting to learn more about becoming a student of mine, go to bit.ly slash one five confidence and schedule a free call. We'll see if it's the best fit for you. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, where your journey to a joyful and empowered birth experience begins. I'm your host, Allie McLean, a registered nurse, home birth coach, devoted wife, and proud mother to four incredible kiddos. I've walked the path from trauma to triumph, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. At the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, we're more than just a show. We're a community of dreamers, believers, and fearless mothers-to-be. If you're seeking to reclaim your birth story, to transform fear into confidence, and to embrace the beauty of home birth, you found your tribe. My own transformative journey began with a traumatic C-section, propelling me on a quest to uncover the power of home birth, and now I'm on a mission to help you rise above your past, prevent needless C-sections, and stand firmly in the certainty of your dream birth. As a devoted follower of Jesus, I believe that His divine design for birth is inherently good. It is a reflection of His love, strength, and grace. If the dream of home birth has been planted on your heart, know that it's there for a purpose, and I'm here to stand with you as you pursue it wholeheartedly. In a world filled with racing thoughts and doubts, I'm your guide to taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and replacing them with the liberating truth. Together, we'll navigate the challenges that lie ahead, finding not only freedom, but also unbridled joy on your path to motherhood. 
This podcast is a haven for the woman who has faced the darkness of a traumatic birth and has questioned whether home birth is within her reach. Here we shatter those doubts. Join us for illuminating interviews with remarkable birth workers who share our reverence for the sanctity and splendor of birth. Listen to inspiring women as they recount their triumphant birth stories, each a testament to the strength that resides within you. So whether you're just starting to explore the world of home birth or you're already on this radiant journey, the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast is your sanctuary, your wellspring of knowledge, and your unwavering support system. Get ready to be inspired, to be empowered, and to embark on a path that leads you to the birth you've always dreamed of. It's time to experience the Holy Spirit's power, to embrace the beauty of birth, and to create a legacy of love and strength. Are you ready to transform your birth experience? Let's dive in. Kinsley, thank you for coming on the show. I'm so excited to hear your stories today. And I just know that they're going to be powerful. Every birth story, I believe, has a lesson in it. And every story is so special and sacred. And so I just really appreciate you taking on the time to share and be vulnerable and to just let my listeners get a little peek into that special moment of your life. So before we hop in, would you just uh, introduce yourself to my listeners, who you are and what you do? Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm um, excited to share and um, I just love talking about all things birth. So this was right up my alley. (laughs) Um, So my name is Kinsley. Um, I'm a mom to two uh, a three-year-old daughter, a 18-month-old son, and then I have a son uh, who is kicking me right now from the inside who will be here uh, joining us early March probably of next year. Um, so I'm a stay-at-home mom right now. Um, my husband works full-time, so he's um, blessed us to be able to, for me to be able to stay home. Um, and I also am a Christian childbirth educator. Um, so I teach a course that um, revolves around biblical childbirth and sort of what the Bible says about that and um, how we can change our mindset with, with birth. Cause I think it's, there's so much fear base around it um, just culturally. Um, and so I really want to just shift the perspective of that. And so that's kind of why I decided to dive into the childbirth education side of things. Um, and I also have my bachelor's degree in nutrition. So that's a nice little um, addition to the course as well. Yeah, that's awesome. We're cut from the same cloth, like, believing that the paradigm shift women go through um, or need to have in order to have a beautiful birth uh, is so important. So I I feel you on the education part and I just love that we can have such a good chat about it because I believe every woman needs to have access to that and really um, be educated in all of her options and just empowered through education. So it's really neat. And I'm excited to hear your story. I actually started off this podcast coming from the perspective of, you know, making sure that everybody had all their options. And as I was going through, I was seeing that most women who were choosing choosing home birth were second time moms who had experienced trauma in the hospital Mm -hmm. and you know, chose home birth after as an alternative. But 
lately I am seeing more and more first-time moms choose home birth for their first baby. And I just would love to hear what was your decision-making process like for you to choose home birth for your first baby? Um, yeah. So when we first found out that I was pregnant with, with our first, my daughter, um, I was sort of just kind of leaning into the, the natural crunchy lifestyle. Um, and so it was a natural birth was on my radar, but I don't, I wouldn't say it was a priority at the time. Um, and me and my husband went into our, I guess it was like six or eight week um, OB appointment, just kind of standard. We were just like, this is what you do, right? Um, and so we went to the hospital and we had our appointment and um, we were probably there in the room for 10 minutes and we were handed a pamphlet. Um, they're like, congrats, you're pregnant. Here's a pamphlet of what to do. Um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. And we both left the, that appointment and we're just like totally bummed. Like we just felt like such a letdown about how excited we were. And like, we did not feel that connection or that reciprocated at all. We just felt sort of like an assembly line of people. Um, and so we were like, man, like I really don't want our whole experience to be like that, you know, kind of felt like that would be, that would be our experience. And so um, we started just researching other options. Um, we were looking at, we ended up with a midwife who worked at a birth center, um, but they also did home births. Um, so at the time we first joined on with her, we planned to deliver um, at the birth center with her because that just felt like a happy medium. Um, and then this was early or late 2019. Um, and then I was due June of 2020. So um, you can imagine as I'm up around 30 weeks, um, we start getting COVID lockdowns and stricter requirements and all this. And, um, and the birth center was still being generous. You know, they were like, you can have two people there. You don't have to wear a mask. You know, they were, it was, it was okay. But then on our way home from one of our appointments, my husband was like, why don't we just do this at home? Like we can make our own rules and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I was like, what? that's such a smart idea. Like, I don't know why, you know, what I like, why would we jump in the car and go follow somebody else's rules and we could do what we wanted at our house. So um, that was kind of how the, the, the events led to us staying home for our first. I love that your husband was the one who said, Let's do it this way. Like you don't hear of that very often. <laughs> yeah. Most, yeah. most people I'm finding have or have to convince their husband. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think you brought up a good point too. At your first appointment, your OB didn't match the excitement for your baby that you were having. And I really think that is such an underrated like issue or red mm -hmm. flag that's not very, it's not talked about. But if somebody yeah. isn't respecting and upholding and celebrating the life, even remotely as close, like just a little bit close, you yeah. know, <laughs> of course, not the same, but realizing the importance of that life, then there, I think that's definitely a red flag. So um, I, I love that this was kind of your entrance, but wherever you want to start on your first story, I would love to hear that. Okay, like the labor and delivery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I around, um, I think it was at my 40 week checkup. 
Um, I, I had asked to be checked, to have a cervical check. Um, I hadn't had any up to that point, um, but I just was curious, um, you know, if I was having any progression or anything. I had had a lot of prodromal labor over the, the weeks prior, several false alarms. So um, I asked to be checked and... Um, no, this wasn't my, this was a 41 week appointment. So I was, I was well overcooked. <laughs> um, and so I, and I was, um, dilated to a five and I was a hundred percent effaced, um, just like walking around town, not in labor. <laughs> and so, um, that was quite a surprise because I had always heard that, you know, early labor, first time mom, it's going to take hours, maybe days, you know, to get into active labor. But our midwife was like, you know, once it starts, it's, it's going to start, you know, cause you're, you've already done the, the early stuff. So, um, two days later I decided we made the decision to, um, take a castor oil, the, the midwife's brew as they call it. <laughs> um, because we were going to have to start doing, um, non-stress tests and biophysical profiles in the, the day following if she hadn't been born yet. Um, and not that I'm against those, but it was just a lot of traveling. We were having to drive about an hour to, to the appointment. So we just kind of wanted to get, get a move on there. Um, and so we did that. I think I took it around two, one or two in the afternoon. Um, and I lay down and took a nap. Um, I sent my husband to do his, his basketball practice. Cause I was like, we're good. Like I'm, I'm good here. So I sent him, I was like, you can, you can leave. And then, um, I woke up at four and I stood up off the couch and my water broke everywhere. And so I called him. I was like, yeah, you need to come on home now. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's going, it's happening. So, um, by the time he got home, it was probably 10 minutes later. Um, I was in full active labor, like knelt over the bed, having like serious contractions. So it was, it was quite literally what she said, zero to a hundred very quick. Um, and they were, they were intense. I'll be honest. I mean, the, the water breaking, you know, I lost my, my cushion, if you'll say. And, um, and so they just started off strong and they kept strong. And I, I labored, um, in a couple different spots on the bed, in the birth tub, in our shower, um, for about two hours. And then I was fully dilated, ready to push. Um, so it was very fast, especially for a first time, uh, mom who I was prepared for all these, uh, these long labors that everyone had been telling me about, you know, and so pushing was, um, laborious <laughs> long. Um, I pushed for about two and a half hours. Um, again, in several different spots, I just didn't feel um, like I could really get a good grip, you know, I felt like I was wasting a lot of energy pushing incorrectly, maybe. Um, and then my midwife put a little pressure and she said, push against my fingers. And so once I did that, then it was like, okay, now I, now I understand. Um, and so after about two and a half hours, I pushed her out onto our bed and uh, my husband caught her and that was great. She had a nuchal hand right here by her cheek. Um, and, um, she, I came, she came out no tearing, um, which was great. I will say her, 
um, umbilical cord ripped like the second she came out. Like she was, she was born and then it just like, like a fire hose of blood started spreading. It was really, my midwife was like, I've never seen this in all my years. So, but she just grabbed, you know, her end and clamped it quickly. Um, so the emergency, you know, it was an emergency, but it could have been if she wasn't paying attention or, you know, whatever. Um, but we didn't get our delayed cord clamping that we wanted, of course, because <laughs> just, you know, that was a crazy circumstance, but, um, and um, she was great. She was healthy and she was, you know, 7-Eleven and we just were already in bed. So we just laid right down in the covers and uh, nursed great and slept right there. So it was really, uh, we had a lot of people in the room. We had, I think, 11 people, oh, um, wow. which were all invited. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, we, we had, you know, mom, stepmom sister, sister-in-law, friend, videographer, like we just, um, I just wanted, I just want to normalize it. And I just want as many people who are, who are interested to watch. Like I, I'm just not shy in that aspect. And so I'm like, if you want to come, you can stand in the back and watch. I don't care. <laughs> um, so it was really cool, but they were all, you know, praying over me and they erupted into cheer when she was born. So it was really cool atmosphere. Yeah, I love that. I, again, I'm very much of the same mindset. Like, I, I love to have my people there, though. And I also love the education part of it and the normalization mm -hmm. of it. And I mean, that's, again, like, why I have this podcast. I just hope that so many women will listen to stories like this and be like, oh, yes, but labor is normal <laughs> and yeah. kind of questioning what we've been told about birth so I love that what did your planning your preparation look like as a first-time mom planning a home birth I'll say the first time I did a lot of physical prep so like bod bodily prep like um you know primrose oil and a lot of red raspberry leaf tea and a lot of dates and um some you know some um, perineum massaging and and the ball balancing and the you know I was doing all of the the mile circuit and making sure that my body was very prepped um, and I sort of missed out on the mental prep um, and so I think whenever it got really intense really fast I I was lost in it for a second like um, oh my gosh this isn't how it's supposed to be kind of thing. Um, and so that was a little bit of a challenge um, to try and work through that. Because the first time I will admit it was painful. Um, it was, you know, it was very intense. And I, and I think I let my mind take over rather than staying in control. Um, and so for the second time, you know, I did some things differently um, that really helped. And so um, basically <laughs> my advice is not to leave out the mental prep because that's so important as well. Yeah, I hear that. So, I mean, even me as a first-time mom, I, I was definitely heavy on, I'm going to exercise and, you know, prepare my body and eat the dates. I did that. Oh, my goodness. And then, yes, you, you kind of do forget as a first-time mom that that mental aspect is actually, I would even say, more important during the labor itself than mm -hmm. having prepared your body. I 
honestly, I, I'm not sure where it comes from, where women think they have to be so physically strong and fit in order to give birth. But I, I mean, it is great to steward your body well. I'm not saying that at all. Like treat your body well, have good nutrition. But also like you were saying, don't forget out on the mental part of it. It really is so important when your labor gets to be so intense. So you had mentioned that this first labor was quite painful for you. But does that mean your second one wasn't painful? I would love to hear what what's your story with that? Yeah. Um, so our second um, pregnancy was um, our son, who's now 18 months. Um, and we did this the similar route, you know, midwife attached to a birth center, but we chose to do it at home. Um, and the pregnancy was smooth, no, no issues or anything like that. So that was great. Um, and then when it, he was, um, it was also 41 weeks. So they both came at 41 weeks on the day, um, or 41 plus one. Yeah. Cause it was the checkup. And then the next day they were both, they were born. Um, so everyone, midwives included, and, um, was preparing me for a one to two hour labor because of how quickly my first one went. Um, they were like, they were preparing my husband, like, Hey, you might be catching this baby. Like we not, we might not even make it. Like they were telling you not to scare us, but just to, you know, have us prepared. Um, and so I was like, okay, like, here we go. And you know, we can do it. And so, um, whenever I, I went into labor on my own, thankfully no castor oil this time, because that, that'll definitely be a last resort, uh, if I have to use it again, but, um, and so it was around two in the afternoon. I started to feel some, some light contractions, but nothing crazy. Um, and then an hour or two later, they were still pretty consistent, but I was, they were becoming more noticeable. And so, um, my husband took our daughter to a birthday party so I could be by myself in the house and just kind of, you know, um, get everything set up. I had a really great worship playlist, um, that I like spent a long time making because I really wanted it to be because I just music just like totally changes the room um and so I had my worship playlist going I had you know the lights off in our bedroom little lamp on by myself just it was just really like several hours of like surrender and and not because I was in so much pain, but I was just surrendering the whole experience, like any fears, any, you know, any potential things that could go wrong, really just everything. Like I just, I didn't even want to be in control. Um, I just wanted the Lord to take over. Um, and I really felt that like I, I kept, I kept telling like, don't, we don't need to call the midwife. We don't need to call anybody. Like, I'm not hurting enough for this to be real, if that makes sense. Um, Cause I, I wasn't in denial, but I was like, this is really early essentially. Um, but our midwife insisted on coming over because of how fast my first one went. So that was fine. She's like, let me just come check and see, make sure everything is okay. Um, and so she came over probably around 6 PM and she checked me and I was, I think a two. Um, and 
I was like, you know, I kind of knew that I wasn't very far, but she was like, I'm just going to stick around just to see how you progress. Um, and pretty much the next 12 hours were the same. Like I just had my bounce ball. I had my, my playlist going. Um, we had my, my mom and my mother-in-law there watching our daughter playing, you know, in the living room and distracting her. And then my husband would periodically come in and be with me, but I really didn't need it. I, I wasn't needing a lot of support at that time. Um, and I was laughing and conversing and, um, you know, it, it just felt like in those, in those minutes of contraction time, I would just close my eyes, squeeze my birth comb, and then it was over. And like, it wasn't, it wasn't a big, a big moment. If, if, you know, um, it wasn't the way it was the first time where it took all of my energy and all of my strength to get through those. It wasn't like that at all. Um, they were just kind of happening. They were just flowing. And um, around probably 1.30 or 2 in the morning, um, I was in the birth, I was in the tub, um, and I kept having to, like, get, like, lift myself up out of the tub because I was like, am I still having contractions? Like, when I'm in the water, I'm really not feeling anything. And so I just would kind of check. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I feel like the, you know, the tightness. And then I started to feel some fetal ejection reflex. And I was like, I told her, I was like, I think I'm starting to push. And she was like, well, let me just check you. And she was like, okay, yeah, you're a 10. Like I had completely transitioned into a 10 with almost no knowledge of it. Like, and I was just so blown away because of how intense the first time was. Um, and this time, I was still talking and I, I didn't talk through the contractions, but I could have if I wanted to. I just was choosing to to focus during those times. Um, and it was just like, it was crazy. I was just so blown away that I had gotten all the way there. I was like, this is going to be the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> um, and so I was like, okay, I'm feeling like ready to push. Um, and so started pushing in the birth tub a little bit and I wasn't, I was, I was like, I'm not really feeling like I'm making progress. So I got out and did some pushing on the bed um, and on the floor. And I started to feel some very sharp um, points in my hip um, on the right side. It's just like digging in sort of, um, but just on the right side, just right in my hip area. Um, and I was like, I really wasn't even feeling pain in the rest of my, like in the front of the back. It was just, the, it was like during the contraction when I would push, um, that hip, it was like something was just like stabbing me right there. And I was like, man, like, like I know I'm pushing effectively because I've done it before and I did it wrong for several hours. And so this time I know I'm doing it right. And I was like, something is off. Like, I don't know what it is, but something's off. And so after pushing for almost two hours, my man was like, okay, let's take a break. Like, let's stop pushing and try to go through some contractions without pushing. Cause you're a second time mom, you know, you, you probably should be making a little bit more progress in this. And so maybe you're just getting tired. And I was like, okay. So 
I got decided to get in the shower um, and just let some water run on my back. Um, and I, I told my husband, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. And it, it was really and truly the, 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 the pain in my hip. It was not, um, the, the contraction pain. Um, and he was like, okay, that's okay. But if you can't, we have to go to the hospital. And I was like, mm, nope, not doing that. <laughs> like just those words in my ear were like automatic, like, no. And so I was like, okay, I have to do it then. Like, there's no other option. Um, and so we were, I was in the shower for, I don't know, five minutes, maybe 10. And I just, I just like start bearing down like fetal ejection reflex hard. And my husband was like, uh, Abby, like called to our midwife, like she's about to push this baby out in this, like right here they had let you know they had like taken a break and were giving us some space and letting me just chill for a minute um and so finally he um his head came out and um he started to turtle back in so if you're a midwife or a doula you may know but um that's a sign of shoulder dystocia um and so she recognized it quickly she's like i need you to put your leg up on the edge of the bathtub um and so I did put my put my leg up, and she managed to um, work her hands inside um, and unhook him again. She's like, "Give me the biggest push of your life." So I did that. She got him out, no problem. There was no um, damage to either of us. Um, praise the Lord, no tearing, no clavicle damage or nerve damage to him. Um, but I know that that can be considered an emergency situation um, in, in a lot of options, in a lot of situations. Um, and so I was just so thankful in that time that we had a skilled provider who was calm and who knew what she was doing. Um, and so, yeah, after he was finally born, um, he cried so loud, the loudest thing I've ever heard probably. <laughs> and, um, he went right to my chest and again, we just went right to our bed and he nursed and there was no problems after that. So it was really, it was, um, it was a really powerful experience. Um, but it also, I also like to tell people because people often ask, you know, Oh, in a home setting, what if something goes wrong? And I can say, well, something did go wrong. Um, but I, once again, I had a skilled provider who was there who knew how to handle it calmly. And like, I was never, I never felt chaotic or fearful because I knew that she had it handled. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that was really cool to, to be able to share to people after. Yeah, that is cool because you do hear shoulder dystocia in the hospital. And it's like, I mean, I've seen it where people rush in and they're like, oh my Goodness, you know, crazy chaos, crazy amount of fear, which just adds to the trauma of it all. But I, you know, my son had a really sticky shoulder at birth too. And so, but you know, during it, it was just like calm, peace. There was just no trauma attached to that whatsoever. So it can look radically different. And I love that you share that with people because it does matter to have that you know, paradigm shift of everything that is a complication doesn't have to be. 
traumatic. Like it can be calm and it can be exactly. And we can just, you know, so hearing your second story just makes me think, I mean, we had talked about it a little bit of as a Christian, we've been, we've grown up being told you know, it's just a woman's curse. It's a woman's curse to experience pain during childbearing. So that's just what we have to go through. I don't know what messaging you heard, but I'm assuming it was very similar to that. But then here you go on to have an almost painless labor. So can you speak into what does the Bible say about the curse of Eve? Does it really mean we're totally going to have pain and we have to have that during childbirth. What's your opinion on that? Yeah. Um, well, first let's, when we're talking about um, Genesis three sixteen, which is where that idea comes from, um, that Eve herself was not cursed, right? God did not curse Eve. God cursed the serpent um, and he cursed the land that Adam would work on, but he never cursed Eve. Um, so we're not cursed. If you, you know, if some people think, oh, it's the curse of you, right? Um, but also the word that's used um, to, to say, there's, there's several different um, translations of the Bible, right? There's, there's thought for thought translation, where it's like basically the meaning behind the Bible is translated into English, and then there's word for word, where each word is translated from from Hebrew to English, Hebrew to English. And so, when you look at the word for word translation, the trans the word for pain <clears throat> can also translate to sorrow or um, laborious, similar to the way that Adam was told, um, you know, you will labor in in toiling the land, right? And so those words are the same. And so the thought for thought translation does say you will experience a painful childbirth, right? But the word for word translation says you will experience a sorrowful, sorrowful childbearing. And so even just removing the, the idea that God said we will be in pain can be a huge mind shift um, for, for a lot of people. Um, and so I would really encourage women to dive into that verse, Genesis 3, 16. Um, and just because there's so much more I could say that I wouldn't even be able to get through on all this podcast. But um, just looking at the different translations of those of that verse and kind of the meaning behind it um, so that they can really get that idea out of their head. Yeah, when I was looking into that, it was so interesting to me that they were the same words. I think it really helped me think, you know what, this is what I was created to do. Like, this is what I'm doing. It is hard work having a baby. There's no doubt about it. It's hard work. And it's also hard work to go to work every day, work the land. And, you know, in the yeah. same way that my husband labors to provide for his family and to do hard work, like, that's the same thing I do. I I don't have to be in pain necessarily, but it is laborious. It is hard work. And I'm okay with that. Like, I also enjoy it. So, they praise the Lord that <laughs> we also get to enjoy that. But it is a mindset shift. So, I love that you bring that up. But 
is there, how did your postpartum go um, with each of them? And I'm just curious how you're preparing for your third baby. How that, how's that going? So with my first, um, I'll just share some nutritional bits, I guess. Um, I started, I was for that most of that pregnancy, I was um, a vegan. Um, and so I had low iron, I had uh, no energy, I had, um, you know, and postpartum really reflected that. Um, I bled for a long time. I could not like I, I and I wasn't getting sleep just, you know, from babies. But I just um, I was like, there were several times where I thought I can never do this again because I won't survive postpartum again um, just because of how depleted I was. Um and at the time, I didn't realize that, that was the problem. I thought this was just how all women felt postpartum. Um, and then with my second, it was, um, I was taking beef liver and, you know, drinking raw milk. And like, I just totally night and day from the first, um, just because of lifestyle changes and research and personal, you know, choices and decisions and all that. Um, and so that postpartum, I mean, my bleeding was so much shorter. I had so much more energy. I was sleeping just as little, <laughs> but I, I felt like I could wake up and take care of a toddler and a baby rather than the first time when I was just taking care of one baby and I could barely get off the couch. Um, and it was just the hormone emotion, just emotions. The, the whole first year of the first time was we're just such a roller coaster, um, so out of balance, so out of whack, and for the most part, I just equated it to that's how it is. Um, which that I would take responsibility for that's that's on me because I I chose not to do any further education on that. You know, I kind of stopped at the birth. I was like, okay, I know, you know, I, I'm all prepped for the birth. My body's ready for the birth, but I didn't do anything past that, right? Um, and so the second time around, I really changed that. And I feel like that helped just tremendously. Um, and I felt like I bounced back way quicker. Um, like with my with this current pregnancy, um, we got pregnant at 11 months, which when my, when my son was 11 months old. So um, that just shows you how ready, like prepared my body felt. Because if it had been the first time, there's no way I could have managed you know i just was not anywhere mentally or physically ready to get pregnant again that soon and so not that i recommend getting pregnant so soon for everyone i know that there's age gaps are are totally fine you know what however big or short they are but um so yeah for this third one i'm i'm doing similar things as the first time i'm even i've added some some different things that i wasn't doing the first time um minerals um which are huge i um, I learned in the more recent year about, um, how depleted our water is like, cause you know, we want to filter, we don't want to drink out of the tap water, right? We want to filter it, but all that filtering gets rid of the good stuff too. Right. And so adding minerals back into our water, um, salting all of our food, um, drink, uh, you know, eating, 100 grams of protein, if you can manage. I mean, that's a lot, but um, just eating a lot, eating a lot, a lot of calories, 
um, a lot of protein, a lot of fats. I feel like even the past, you know, 10, 15 years, it's starting to shift a little bit, but generations before it was like, oh, you need to gain 20 pounds. And that's, that's enough, you know, <laughs> like don't get, don't get too big or you'll never bounce back, you know? And now it's like, my midwife is like, if you gain 15 pounds, I'd be happy. Like <laughs> it's, it's totally okay. Like this is a time in your life when you need to embrace that and you need to eat <laughs> a lot. And so that doesn't mean, you know, eat a lot of Cheetos or a lot of ice cream, but it means, you know, nourish your body every meal, every snack with like high protein, high calorie foods that are going to help. You're going to bring your body back up to baseline because when you're pregnant and breastfeeding, your body is depleted because all your nutrients are going to your baby. And so if you're just barely coming back up to, to baseline, you're not going to thrive in any manner. Like you need to go to baseline and then beyond and so that's what I'm working on with number three is going beyond yeah that is so good so helpful I know I've had some health consults with people lately and I've been having them track their protein and they've been coming back to me and they're like I was not even getting close to the amount of protein that I needed and so it is such a good reminder if you're pregnant out there you need a lot of protein and you're probably not getting enough <laughs> so um yeah. really really helpful but you had mentioned that you have a that you're a childbirth educator do you want to tell us how people can get connected with you and with um the education and just how they can get to know you more um yeah so it's it's fairly new the my the business side of education. Um, but I do have an Instagram account and it's, um, be fruitful and free. Um, so I get that obviously from the Bible where it says be fruitful and multiply. Um, but I wanted to add the, the free on there because I, I want women to be free from the fear of being fruitful. Right. Cause I, I just have talked to some women like, Oh, I can't, I'm so scared to get pregnant because I don't want to have, I don't want to have the baby. Right. I don't want to deliver the baby. That's really what they say. Um, and I really want people to be free of that fear so that they can um, be fruitful in, in their families. That is really cool. I will put your link in the show notes. Go connect with her. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story and your wisdom with us. I appreciate it. I hope you loved today's episode and found it so helpful and encouraging. If you did, would you take 30 seconds to leave a review on the Apple Podcast or send this episode to a friend who has been praying for a peaceful home birth? Lastly, make sure you get my free download of my complete home birth essentials checklist. Make sure you have everything ready to go so you're able to feel at peace and confidence leading into your home birth. This printable checklist has all of the important but less glamorous or thought of items that I have found to be so incredibly helpful to have at a home birth after working with many clients in person. Now get it by clicking the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening and peace be with you.